Today's episode of Read Me Romance is brought to you by Tacos. No matter what happens today, remember, tacos. Hey, lady listeners. It's Tessa Bailey. (laughs) Hope everybody is having a good week so far. We're here for the third installment of Roping the Cowboy by Kennedy Fox, the fabulous writing duo of Kennedy Fox. And before I send you in, I'm going to read a couple more listener emails because they make my day and they make me so happy. So this one's from Abby. I like to listen while I drive. When the kids are with me, I just announce earphones and they put their earphones to watch their little Disney movies in the DVD player and I drive while listening away to read me romance and they have no clue. Ha ha. It's always nice to get one over on your kids. <laughs> so she has an embarrassing listening moment. I was parked in a parking lot trying to finish off the last few minutes of an episode. As I was sitting there, a man walks up to get in his car where he's parked directly next to me. I guess I didn't realize how loud it was through my vehicle speakers because right when we they were explaining what he was doing to her nipples, he literally stopped and faced me through my window. There we were, face to face, while the sweet, sweet sound of porn on paper was read aloud and blared through my car. I died of embarrassment that day. (laughs) But to be fair, like, don't turn and look at you, dude. Like, why would he, I mean, just let you have your thing. Like, why would you, if I heard that happening in a car next to me, I would absolutely pretend like I didn't hear it. You know, like, that's the right thing to do. Okay. Let's see. Thank you for that, Abby. This one's from Melanie. It's a ghost story and I'm telling it to you so it can segue into a... <laughs> I'm telling it to you because it's great, but also because it applies to something that happened to me when I was a teenager. Okay, so I live in a house that was built in or around 1893. We have the original deed. My grandma bought his, this house in 1977 and then my uncle owned it and I bought it from him. I raised my kids here. Sorry, this is a ghost story. Did I mention that? It's a ghost story. So when my kids were were little, they would see light orbs flying from their closets across the hall and under my bedroom door. I've woken up in the middle of the night to see a brown haze at the end of my bed. One time after my husband had surgery on his shoulder, I had a soda and crackers on his bedside table so he could take his pain meds. And at one in the morning, the can crinkled, crinkled and dropped to the floor by his table. Does that mean like it actually got crumpled? That is, that would, I'd be moving the next day. It landed on its bottom, so I didn't. it didn't tip or spill at all. My kids used to have a CD they listened to to go to sleep. There was a Linkin Park song on it. And one night when everyone was asleep, <laughs> but me, and I, and I walked past their room, it started playing all by itself in the middle of the CD. In the middle of the CD on these specific lyrics, I tried to give you warning, but everyone ignores me. And then stopped. My bathtub water would come on by itself, and more than one person has seen an old man standing in my dining room. My son and I have seen a preteen boy. I saw him on the stairs all the time, and my son saw him peeking out of the dining room at him. When I was a kid and my grandma lived uh, lived here, I would hear kids on the stairs. When my grandma moved, I saw a woman who was probably from the 1800s by the way she was dressed close the door. If I really think about it, I could probably remember some more. Oh, so creepy, Melanie. What I want to tell you is that Lincoln Park... Just the sound of Linkin Park, any song, throws me into a panic attack. (laughs) 
I went camping when I was 18. It was my senior year of high school. Two of my friends and this one guy who, I don't know if he was like not really our friend, but like kind of a hanger on or I, I don't, I don't remember, remember it was a lifetime ago. Uh, but he, yeah, I like, I haven't spoken to him since, but we went camping and it got so like, I didn't realize that once, you know, like once the sun goes down, you can't see anything past your campfire. Like that's it. It's just your tiny little zone and anything could be happening like out in the darkness. Like people could be watching you and I'm, you know, like I'm most comfortable in, I, in like an apartment building with surrounded by people or in a neighborhood with houses really close by. I don't know. I like the thought of living out in an isolated area is actually like something that breaks me out in hives. Sorry. Like I, I, I like love the idea of it, like having a big house and a ton of sprawling grass and, you know, like silence, but actually being in it would make me scared all the time. So anyways, for that camping trip, the entire camping trip, my friend was playing that first Linkin Park CD that was like, you know, crawling in my skin. And so every time, and like, I actually had a panic attack. I had to go to a pay, I hiked to a pay phone in the dark and I called a taxi and I was like, like this was in California. So taxis, you know, weren't just like a thing you could hail down or <laughs> it was like in the middle of nowhere in California. I called a taxi to come get me and drive me all the way home. And I was like, I, I my parents had to pay for it. I was, cause I was literally so scared. I could not breathe. I was like <laughs> just being out in the darkness like that. I don't know. So anyways, Lincoln Park, I associate with that weird camping trip. I was like, this is it. We're going to die. Like, you know, this is how horror movies start. We're four, we're four teenage girl, like 14, three teenage girls and a teenage guy, like sexually promiscuous and smoking pot. Like this is how people die. Like we're all going to die in this horror film, <laughs> you know, cause that's, those are the rules of a horror film, which is wrong, but it is what it is. Okay. So anyways, thank you for writing in and sorry for my rambling. And I'm going to go ahead and send you into the third installment of Roping the Cowboy by Kennedy Fox. And I'll talk to you guys when it's over. Bye. Chapter five, Cat. Going out with Colton and Presley was a bad idea. They neglected to mention Mr. Showoff would be there flaunting his muscles and good hair. Assholes, all of them. When some guy who was five drinks over his limit stumbled to the bar to talk to me, I only gave him a smidge of attention so I would feel less like a loser, considering I was the only person in the bar sitting alone. Colton and Presley ditched me, and Braxton was going to third base with some chick on the dance floor. Not that I was watching, because I don't care what he does, or who. The moment Braxton got in Sean's face, I thought for sure someone would get arrested. After some pushing and shoving, Braxton punched him in the face and Sean went down for good. By that point, my heart was racing and my blood was boiling at the whole stupid situation. I rushed out, needing to get away. But of course, Braxton followed me. I'm not sure what came over me, but I was so annoyed with what happened that I took it out on him and told him to mind his own business. 
though I feel bad for how I reacted. I'm not some pathetic damsel in distress, and I hate when people treat me like I'm fragile glass. And as the only child of wealthy parents, it's happened my whole life. Everyone thinks I'll break, but I'm strong as diamonds. By the next morning, I'm calm and collected. I have a job to get back to, and I won't allow a shitty night to ruin my week. For the first day of my weekly special, I have the pumpkin caramel cheesecake muffins, and they smell too good to be in a sour mood. I open at eight on Sunday so the churchgoers can grab theirs before service. I don't deliver to the B&B on Sundays, which is a nice break from getting up at four. When I hear the bells echo off the door, I look up with a smile to greet my customer, but it quickly dissipates when I see a certain cowboy hat and smug smirk. You must be sleepwalking, I deadpan with my hands on my hips. Good morning, ma'am. He tilts his hat at me as if this is the first time we're meeting. I need a variety of muffins and pastries. Three dozen, please. I narrow my eyes at him, wondering if he's still drunk from the night before. For what? Did you host an orgy last night? Why do you care, cat? Jealous? He arches a brow and flashes a conniving grin. God, I want to rip that look right off his stupid, charming face. Please, I snort. I have standards. Not very high, if you ask me. I reach for a muffin and aggressively place it in the box. Well, I didn't. Braxton watches me as I load up a second box. Relax, cat. Didn't realize you gluten-free eaters were so damn sensitive. Seriously? I snap, my voice going up an octave. Why the hell are you even here besides to ruin my day? John asked me to pick up more pastries. Apparently the customers were asking for more since they ran out. His jaw tightens as if the words of praise hurt to say. Well, would you look at that? People who know how to appreciate delicious food. I stack the three boxes and place them on the counter between us. Those old ladies are like a hundred. They probably lost their taste buds 30 years ago. Wow, I drag out with faux amusement. Rude and condescending. You're the full package. He reaches for the boxes and shoots me a wink. You should know, babe. I pretend to as I wave my hand and shoo him away. I'll put this on John's tab so I don't have to spend an extra second near Braxton. You have a fan-fucking-tastic day now, sir. You keep that delicious mouth of yours shut, and I will. I spin on my heels and walk to the kitchen. Thoughts of how much I hate him fill my head, and when I reach for a pan of muffins, I forget that I don't have an oven mitt on, and the heat instantly burns my hand. Shit! I scream, immediately cradling my hand to my chest. Fuck, 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 I mutter between gritted teeth as I rush toward the sink. Just as I turn on the faucet, Braxton is at my side and reaching for me. What happened? He takes my hand and holds it under the cold water. The concern in his voice is evident. 
And for a moment, I wonder how Braxton can go from the biggest asshole in the world to this. Sweet, tender, caring. Must be some kind of talent of his. Nothing, I'm fine. I pull my hand away, but he's not having any of it and keeps his grip around me secure. Cat, his tone is a warning. How badly are you burned? Well, I just took the pan out right before you walked in, so it was still pretty hot, but I have some cream I can put on it once the stinging stops. Why would you grab it then if it had just come out, he asks but it's not a tone of judgment, which I appreciate at a time like this. Because my mind was preoccupied, I admit, grinding out my words. I wasn't thinking. He faces me and gazes into my eyes before dropping them down to our hands. Where's your first aid kit? In the office, I tell him, and then he holds his finger up for me to stay while he goes searching for it. He returns moments later and opens it. I'll wrap it up for you, as long as you don't deck me for trying to help. I release a breath through my nose, holding back my laughter. No promises. Considering his snarky comment about gluten intolerant eaters being sensitive, I should do more than deck his smart mouth. After he dries my hand, he finds the right cream and carefully rubs it over my palm and fingers. He's being so tender and delicate that I nearly forget about the pain. Once he wraps my hand in gauze and tapes it, he brings my hand to his lips and presses a soft kiss on my knuckles. There, all better now. Braxton looks at me so sweetly that it nearly takes my breath away. How is this the same douchebag guy from less than 12 hours ago? I blink, trying to swallow the knife in my throat and look at him as if he's grown a third eye. Thank you, I finally say. You're most welcome. Braxton releases my hand and I immediately miss his touch. But next time, try using a mitt, okay? He flashes a wink, and then he's out the door with the boxes of goodies. I stand in the middle of the kitchen, looking around and wondering if all that just happened. Perhaps I'm daydreaming, or the liquor from last night is still flowing through my veins. When I feel the tightness of the gauze around my hand, I know it wasn't a dream at all. It still burns a little, but it's nothing compared to the ache I feel in my chest. Chapter 6 Braxton I haven't been able to get Kat off my mind since yesterday, and every time I think about her I become more frustrated. She's hot, then cold, and I don't know which cat I'm going to get at any given time. I like to think I can read any woman, except for her. She's the exception that doesn't come with a rule book. It's like she's written in a completely different language. Maybe that's why she's so damn frustrating to me. We have so much to discuss, but I don't even know where to start. I feel as if I'm going crazy and she's to blame. My stomach growls, pulling me away from my thoughts, so I hop in my truck and go over to the B&B to grab a quick bite to eat. 
Looking at the clock on the dashboard, I see it's half past six, which means it's a flip of a coin if we'll run into each other. The part of me addicted to her pulls me forward. I've never been weak for a woman like this. As soon as I'm at the B&B, I don't see her car anywhere and I breathe a sigh of relief. I park by the barn, get out, and see Colton walking with buckets. Breakfast? I ask. Nah, Presley and I ate already, he smirks. The look on your face tells me she was breakfast. He shrugs and grins as he sets the buckets down and pulls off his leather gloves. I'm going to throw up in my mouth. I chuckle and head down the path that leads to the back porch. When I walk in, the smell of the coffee and fresh food surrounds me, making me even more hungry. I grab a plate, quickly load up on eggs and meat, and take a seat to dig in. The front door closes, and I spot Cat, but I remain focused on my food. Out of sight, out of mind, right? But I can't deny the way she forces my blood to rush through my body. I hear her talking to John, laughing, and then the conversation ends. Is it possible she didn't see me and she'll just leave? I take a bite, and soon the chair in front of me is being pulled out. I look up and see her sweet smile and sparkling blue eyes. Hi, she says. I narrow my eyes at her. Um, hi. Cat studies my face, but the smile of hers doesn't fade. I made you something. I clear my throat. Why? Because I feel bad for what happened on Saturday and how I reacted. She scoots a pastry box forward with a blue bow tied around it. I see the gauze on her hand, and it brings me back to yesterday morning when we shared a moment. For just a second, her guard was down, and I was able to see the real her. The her I met at the bar six months ago. Before I can say a word, she speaks up. Don't worry. It's got tons of real sugar and juicy fat and loads of gluten. Really? I untie the bow and open the box. Inside is a fluffy muffin with chocolate chips galore. I don't trust you. I scoot the box back toward her. Why? She actually looks hurt. You take the first bite. I take it out and inspect it. She laughs. Gluten makes me sick. I thought you knew why I opened the bakery. I was one of those kids who couldn't eat all the delicious sweets or birthday cakes because of my intolerance. So if you want me to be sick for the rest of the day, then I'll take a bite. That's usually all it takes. I kind of feel bad for giving her shit about her pastries now. I really had no idea. So instead of being a complete ass, I give in and take a bite. The bread is soft and warm and the chocolate chips melt in my mouth. You like it? She grins, watching me chew. Yeah. It's delicious. I take another bite. Well, just know that one was made especially for you. But anyway, I gotta go. I have some banana nut bread to deliver across town. Have a great day, Braxton. I nod at her as she stands. You too. I say around a mouthful of muffin. She laughs as she stands. Her pants are so damn tight that they look painted on, and I enjoy the view as she walks away.
After I finish eating the muffin, I pick up my mess, fill up my coffee, and head to my truck. I drive across the property to pick up some extra material and then meet Alex Bishop and a team of ranch hands who are building a new shelter for the cattle. Just as I park and walk to the back of my truck, my stomach twists in knots. I swallow hard, trying to ignore it as I lower the tailgate and pull out the supplies. A pain rushes through me, and I feel as if I'm going to shit my pants. I drop the wood on the ground and double over, sweat covering my face. Hey, you okay? I look up and see my roommate Jake. My stomach is so angry I can't even form words. So all I do is nod. Alex rushes over. You look terrible, Brax. You need to go home? No, I'm fine, I argue, knowing damn well I'm not. But instead of being my usual hard-headed self, I decide to go after all. There's a stomach bug going around. Hope you didn't catch it. Alex tells me as I slowly walk to my truck, hoping I can make it home without an accident. I get out of there as quickly as I can. Never have I driven 50 on a dirt road until today. As soon as I pull up to the house, I rush inside and barely make it to the bathroom. What happens next is horrific. As I'm experiencing the worst damn time of my life, I try to think back to what I ate that could have done this, and that fucking muffin comes to mind. I text Colton and demand him to send me Cat's number, which he stupidly does. I feel horrible, but I'm beyond pissed right now, because I know she's behind this somehow. After I get off the porcelain throne, I slowly make it to my bed and lie there, hoping this feeling will go away after a couple of hours. But it doesn't. While my stomach continues to roil, I send the culprit a text. Braxton, what the actual fuck? I'm being as subtle as a freight train, but damn. Cat, who is this? Braxton, you know who the hell this is. What the hell did you put in that goddamn muffin? Cat, oh, Braxton, hi. It was made with sugar, butter, gluten-filled flour. Why? Her coyness only angers me further. Braxton. Because I've never shit so much in my life. My stomach hurts so bad I had to leave work. I might have to go to the ER for dehydration. I can't keep anything down. Cat. Are you sure you don't have a sensitivity? That's exactly what happens to me when I eat gluten. And also, don't be so dramatic. Dramatic? I should send her pictures of my next sensitivity. Braxton, this isn't funny. I'm not fucking gluten intolerant. Cat, well, a few chocolate laxatives might have fallen into the mixture. Payback's a bitch. Winky smiley face emoji. I'm fuming. I knew I shouldn't have trusted her. My gut told me so and now my gut is paying for it. Braxton, are you insane? Seriously? Are you trying to kill me? Cat, you'll be fine within 48 to 72 hours. Trust me. Braxton, two to three days? Are you crazy? Cat, rolls eyes. Stop being a wuss. Braxton, a wuss? 
Really? What the fuck did I do to deserve this? If I didn't feel like crap right now, I'd drive down to her bakery and curse her out. This is childish, ridiculous, the stupidest prank ever, and I don't think it's cute. At all. Cat. You should know, calling gluten intolerant eaters sensitive amongst the many other comments you threw at me about my pastries. Enough was enough, cowboy. Braxton. Not sure if you realize this or not, but some people have to work for their money, cat. We can't be as spoiled as you and get everything handed to us. I can't be out of work for days at a time. This is absolute bullshit. I lash out at her, and when it takes her a while to respond, I almost apologize for that last text, but eventually she does. Cat. I'm really sorry. Braxton. No, you're not. But let me give you a warning. This isn't over. Not in the least. You have no idea what you started because I don't get back, cat. I get even. And what's going to happen to you will be next level. That's a promise, sweetheart. After I press send, I turn off my phone and am forced to rush to the bathroom. Again. Hi, it's me again. I hope everyone is enjoying Roping the Cowboy. If you want more of this world, uh, you should check out the Bishop Brothers series by Kennedy Fox. Falling for the Cowboy is out right now. It takes place on the same ranch. And Taming Him is in that same series. All these can be read as standalones, however. But Taming Him is free right now. So I would, you, if you want to start there, it's a good play. It's a, it's a good time to do that. It's free for this week only, so go snatch it up. And Kennedy Fox has their entire backlist on Kindle Unlimited, which is awesome because I know a lot of you are Kindle Unlimited people. And I'll be back tomorrow with more. So we'll talk to you then. And have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.